Business Matters in association with Atlantic Technological University, Donegal. Study for a Doctorate of Business Administration and obtain the highest level management qualification available. Visit atu.ie forward slash DBA. Hello and welcome to Business Matters here on Highland Radio. I'm Chris Ashmore. My guest this week on Business Matters is Adrian Boyle of artisan bakery Blistered Bread, which is based in Letterkenny. He founded the company in 2022, and it has already made great strides and recently won the Best Startup Category Award at the Donegal Enterprise Awards. Originally from Chrysler, Adrian went to Australia after leaving college and had a number of sales and marketing positions before he returned to Ireland two and a half years ago. Assisted by his wife, Neve, he has built up his business supplying freshly baked sourdough breads and pastries for the Northwest market with an emphasis on using quality local ingredients where possible. I visited him at his premises just off the Ballyrain Road in Letterkenny to find out more about his business and began by asking him to outline what exactly he does. Um, thanks for having me, Chris. Um, yeah, Blister Bread, we're an artisan bakery. Um, our focus is supplying artisan sourdough breads and pastry products for the cafes and food service businesses of the world. Now, you're originally from Chrysler. We're here in Letterkenny, but in between, I think there's been a little bit of travel. So uh, maybe just give us a little bit about uh, your background. Uh, you can throw in where you went to school and what happened after school and, and what's happened uh, before you came to getting your own business off the ground here. Okay, so um, yeah, I grew up in Chrysler um, and I suppose introduced Larry Kenny via St. Junan's, that's where I went to school. Um, but after that, I suppose we off to Galway, went to college there and Dublin for work and then the further feeds to Australia and I suppose we spent nine years in Melbourne. So it's been a long time since we were Donegal residents but yeah we're back here two and a half years now. Right. So tell us when you when you went to Australia what was your, your line of work there? Probably did a few things. Um, yeah so since leaving college I'd, I'd studied marketing and then I moved into sales positions and it jumped from industry to industry um, but then I just needed to see change. I was in Melbourne doing sales for um, there was a career company, so and I just thought to myself, I need, I need something new. So, and that's when my decision was either in sport or food was the two passions that I kind of was looking at. Um, so I had a meeting with a couple of people that I just was interested in chatting to, and food was the one that just drew me in, and an opportunity came up with an artisan bakery there. So that's kind of how we got to where we are today. Right. So tell us a little bit about that bakery out there, sort of what sort of size, what were they doing? Yeah, so Brasserie Bread is the name of the bakery. Um, They're going for probably 22 years at this stage. They're a considerable size. They have bakeries in Brisbane, uh, Sydney and Melbourne. Um, It all started out from a restaurant, just supplying sourdough bread to the restaurant and it grew from there. it's all by a guy called Michael Clausen. He's a Danish guy, um, a trained chef, and just yeah, they just hit that sort of market just when it was exploding or moving. Um, and uh, yeah, they now supply. Their their focus is also wholesale, so business to business. Um, and I think when I was in Melbourne, we must have had close to a thousand customers in Melbourne alone. Um, they supply everything from the airlines to the small cafes to the sort of big corporates for like the MCG, like say, the likes of Croke Park, essentially like doing catering things like that. Um, so all very high end, still doing ma- like big production, but doing it well, like still not cutting corners, um, which was was admirable. Um, yeah, and it was just beautiful to see these 
the creations, the hard work, and like the artisan nature of it all. And, yeah. And what exactly were, were you doing? What was your first position there? So my role was in territory manager, so I was looking after sales there. Um, and focus was on existing business and growing the business. Um, so it gave you a great insight into that whole sector. Yeah. Um, yeah, just really opened my mind. Like, I suppose I've been eating bread all my life, but to artisan cereal bread, that was the first introduction, really. Um, and just blew my mind, you know, in terms of the care, the attention, and time required. Um, and then the results. Just It's just a totally different product. It's yeah. incredible. Now, nice climate over there. You mentioned good place for sport as well to move from Australia back to Ireland big decision yeah um, I think COVID played a big part in terms of our decision to come back um, we had we noticed the isolation more um, and just had unfortunately some friends had lost close ones and, and we thought you know we don't want to make that big journey without giving home a chance at least so we said let's take this opportunity come home see what, what life is like here um, and yeah I think from that moment we got back, we decided let's consider doing something for ourselves. Um, you know, there's there's definitely bread available here and good bread, but it's probably not enough for, for the demand. So, and that's what what spurred this this opportunity. So, when you were thinking about coming back to Ireland, you know, in terms of market research and and what exactly you would do here, like uh, how, how difficult was that? Because it was a bit of a leap of faith as well. Yeah, well, coming back to Donegal is a big change for us, but we've noticed, you know, the likes of Kyle open up Rulab, um, you always at the counter, there's a few businesses that just seem to be springing up and coffee-focused, um, so that gave us hope, um, so we we thought there would be an opportunity, it was, the decision wasn't made until we returned here and we spoke to a number of, a number of people, and, and there was a gap there, certainly for Bootsour and Air Kenny particularly, um, and so we just started looking into that as a line of inquiry, a line of logistics, and, um, and we said we'd be giving up. So when did it all begin? Um, it's a funny one, like Blistered Bread was born probably about six or seven years ago based on a conversation I had with the head baker in Melbourne. I just loved the, the concept and the idea behind yeah. blistering and uh, what that visually tells you about the bread. Um, but the business itself, from about January 2021, I think we were considering things. We started a start from a business course and it, it went from there. Right. When you started off at the beginning, you know, you have to look at the finances, working capital, stock, all the things, equipment. So just how small scale, what did you actually start off with? Um, so why, Chris, you're here today. So we've got, what, four meters by three. It's a very small little space to work in. Um, but thankfully, uh, I was fortunate that most of the things you see here today came from a venue that was in my mom's possession of ownership. So it was a, a kitchen that wasn't functioning at the time. Um, so everything, some of these bridges haven't been turned on for like 10 or 15 years. So it was great to be able to get them going again. Um, so the, it was still a significant investment, but it was made a lot easier by the fact that we had stuff available to us. And we're in, I mean, this is essentially the size of a, I suppose a, a typical garage, really, yeah. isn't it? That, yeah, it's compared to the garage. So, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the little bakery, it's all like up to our HSE yeah. standards and everything, but it's, yeah, everything here was is almost repurposed from, from a different kitchen. So. 
So the, the very first product, the very what was the first thing that came out of the oven or what was made? Um, well, there was a few tests, but the sourdough was the focus. Um, we always wanted to do pastries, but the priority was getting the, the sourdough right. Um, and that's been a journey because the passion is to try and use local flowers. Um, and I suppose we don't have the climate really, that sun-drenched climate that can, can create high-protein wheats that, that make it easier to make good bread. Um, so we've been on a journey trying to find flour, work with farmers, um, and then it's just about blending. So currently we have a flour, it's a, it's a blend between like a, an Irish wheat and a French wheat. Right. It is trying to local, local or low miles on, on a product. But, um, but that's, I first, honestly, the first few attempts were not great. It took, took a while to get that right. And a lot of people, including myself, you know, you, you, you buy something, you eat something, you might have a rough idea of what's in the ingredients, but so tell us a little bit just more about about the flour and just how important that is and, and the difference it can make between having something that's pretty much run of the mill off the top shelf in the supermarket and, and something more specialized and maybe organic or whatever. Um, so I suppose the majority of things that is on the shelf is going to be uh, very refined, so you know, that white. Um, we have a, it's called a T65, so it's got a little bit of the content there, but it's still quite a, a white flutter. Um, we, from Kilkenny, called Oak Forest Mills, um, Emma Browns, she's got a stone mill, which means you get a bit more of the, of the um, whole wheat German there. Um, and it just gives you more flavor, more nutrition, and just a little bit darker color. Um, yeah, there's countless wheats out there um, between there's organic, a lot of it can come from England, Canada, France, Ukraine, different parts. Um, so primary focus for me was trying to make it as local as possible. Um, and then, so the, the focus is definitely bigger than the EU, Canada, Ireland, and England, and, and that. So. And over time, have, have you changed your where you've got that source that from or have you yeah, tweaked you've, things we've had to change it like yeah. so say with Emma down in down in Kenny like they had a they had poor yield last year so they ran out and then we went to to a crowd in England called Wild Farms um, they are big on a regenerative practice with the farms um, so of course that means more changes for us in terms of process and everything um, but that's I suppose that's part of the fun too like if everything was very regimented and the same it, it would be a little bit boring so now, you're operating in a relatively small space and you've only limited space for, for keeping the raw materials that come in. In terms of stock and buying ahead and that sort of thing, is, is there a lot of planning involved there? Yeah, like we're, we're limited in terms of capacity to carry stock, so we're lucky that our suppliers have got reasonable minimum orders so it means you know sometimes it's a squeeze but in general we can we can carry enough but we do try and keep it that almost just in time it's like literally we've got a couple of bags left and when we want the next order and we don't want to be carrying too much now the the first sardo that came out the taste test who who who, who did you get the feedback from because i'm sure you know feedback is so important to, to know what yeah. Uh, to again, maybe to tweak or to uh, also the, the the size of the product. How did you sort of think what what size of loaf am I coming out with? Um, so my wife Neve, she is like I run everything by her, but um, Neve is like definitely the one that will will challenge and push me in terms of the quality and different things like that. There, and make sure that we keep keep trying and pushing for for better. Um, so yeah, everything goes goes through her, passes our test. We know we're we're good to hit the market. Um, 
but in terms of sizes, um, I suppose I've noticed in, traditionally here that there's a market for retail, what I call a retail size, like it's kind of like a 700 gram loaf. Um, whereas because I was targeting like the food service businesses and looking at toasties and things, they wanted a portion option. So we offered the retail size, but our primary focus was like a one kg or bigger size. Um, I suppose it was something we were doing in Melbourne in the bakery, so it was just something we borrowed from there uh, and took that over here. And I suppose with the shape and the scoring and everything else, it should give the customers a good yield, a good return for, for their uh, for their investment. Yeah. Now, the, the sourdough bread, talk us through the, the whole production process from getting everything here on, on the table. What exactly happens to we see the, the finished product? Yeah, so uh, any day normally starts around, say, between 10 and 11 a.m. Um, it's just we feed the starter. So we've got Mel, or light culture. Um, so we feed her in advance, and then production kicks off at about 8 p.m. So that gives Belle and Mel enough time to just feed up and, and build up her strength. Um, and then we start to mix, so this, the first step is like an auto-lease, it's um, we mix the flour and the water together, it just helps the gluten develop. And just, just elaborate on, on Mel and, and what exactly Mel is. Oh yeah, so Mel is our, our sort of starter, so it's our light culture that we created and, and took with us from Australia. Um, so basically it's just uh, taking in the bacteria that's around the environment. Um, we incorporated a few grapes in it just to get sugars in there at the very start, just to help, help things pop. Um, but otherwise, it's basically just an evolution of the flour and the water and the environment over time. Um, and that's what continues to support this business and the health of the male is very, very important to, to everything we do. So after we do the mix, um, we put in the starter and salt. Um, it rests then for 24 hours at a cool temperature. But then, in terms of baking, um, we bake it at about 240 degrees on the stone oven here at Beijing um, for about, we give it probably 35 minutes in total. Um, so. so the actual, from ver the very start to it coming out of the oven, time-wise, how long is, is, is that? So it's you're talking from, say, 10 a.m. this morning right through until your loaf might come out tomorrow at 10, 11 p.m. Yeah. So you're talking 36 hours. So that's quite different from your batch uh, high-production stuff that you're seeing on a shelf in, in a supermarket of your normal slice pan. Yes. No, it's, yeah. it's, it takes a bit of time. Of course, there's there's steps that that go into it, like the hands on the artisan side of it, but then the time and the space requirements and stuff, it all, all adds up. So. Yeah. And what about the whole the kneading of the bread and that sort of thing? Tell us about that. Is there much involved there? Hi. So um, the mix, the mixer, I suppose, does a, does a, a lot of the work, um, and then just I suppose we've got to divide and shape at that stage after that. Um, and that I suppose that does take a bit of, a bit of time to get used to. It's very kind of as much as instruction helps. It's a tactile thing. You really have to just get involved. Like we had a we had a session with the kids in like my son's school there last about two weeks ago. And it was just fun seeing them getting stuck in with the bread, and like you know, you could see the difference between someone who's maybe been hands-on with it in their kitchen with their family and different things, that other kids are just like slapping and slapping. So your working day starts mid-morning. Yeah, so uh, pretty much at 11 a.m. or 10:30 is kind of a time I must be yeah. close here. I start feeding. Um, this was daytime's admin. Then we get family time, and then I'm out in the bakery from about 8 p.m. or Right. Until late. two to three. Latest right. is probably three a.m. So it's right. not too bad. We're going to be finished. The drivers come by around five-ish. So okay. the plan is to be finished in time for them. And have everything right. Right. 
So they're coming here and they're getting it as fresh as they possibly can and then the distance from them, it's all local so the people you're supplying it to are getting it within a couple of hours of it having actually been produced. Yeah. 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 So I think we're backwards through drivers. Like, um, so we try and optimize particularly the pastries because the bread is a bit more shelf-like. The pastries you want as fresh and crispy as possible as they yeah. go in and vice versa. Yeah, no, I think the customers have been great. Like, yeah. um, thankfully, by the time we went to market, we were happy with the product and customers were happy with it too. So, um, and I think, honestly, I suppose over time, with, with more time involved in it and more experience with, with the product and yeah. the process. So the first product, the sour dough bread, what, about 700 grams or a little bit yeah. bigger? Yeah, yeah, 700 grams, right. And then what was the second thing that you produced after that? So after we got the two, at least both white sour doughs, which were the same dough, but it's like the two sizes, once we got them to market, um, their focus was on the pastries. Well, that sounds tasty, and we're going to hear more about that after the break. Join us again in a couple of minutes. Study a Doctorate of Business Administration, DBA, at Atlantic Technological University and obtain the highest level management qualification available. This advanced degree can involve a remarkable journey of growth, both individually and within the broader context of the business world. Check out atu.ie forward slash DBA to register your interest. Welcome back. I'm with Adrian Boyle of Blistered Bread, and we're here in his artisan bakery in Letterkenny. Before the break, Adrian, we were just touching on uh, how you moved on from the initial product, which was the sourdough bread, to uh, pastries and some very tasty products. So uh, the first couple of pastries, tell us a little bit about them. What did you do? So uh, making croissants is quite a... On elaborate process, like it's layers of butter. Um, so at that stage, initially, we didn't actually invest in a sheet, or we just disposed the cash flow and everything else. We started doing by hand. So um, you do break a few layers. So we weren't exceptionally happy with things, and we, we pulled things back a little bit. Um, but yeah, we we wanted to use we wanted an Irish butter. We wanted to make just a product that was as close to what you can get in this was in Melbourne or France or whatever, um, and. Yeah, the focus was croissants and that style of dough for I suppose, production purposes, just try and minimize the number of doughs, the number of ingredients we have here. Um, and it wasn't something available. So it's something, the only option available for in terms of croissants generally around the county is something that's parvaked or frozen. So when you can get something that's made locally, um, I suppose I'm a bread snob, I can see it immediately, the difference, but um, but I hopefully people then that are coming in, like I know currently around the croissants, like a bit of a, a bit of a popular, it's a bit of a revelation around people. And croissants, and there's been such a, I suppose, an explosion of them in the, in the Irish market over the last number of years, and for people who eat them a lot, the difference between a run-of-the-mill one that you might pick up in a pack of seven or eight in a supermarket and the real McCoy they're, they're just poles apart aren't they yeah um, I suppose they can be very little involved there's machinery nowadays for everything so they can roll it they can laminate it they can do the whole lot so um, and I think it comes down to a lot of ingredients you know the butter the idea of butter as opposed to margarine is, is, is important um, and uh, the time I suppose our cross dough gets 24 hour rest as well prior to being, being shipped and, and baked so 
I think that also helps for digestion and for flavor as well. So um, we keep it, or a particular croissant, we, we cut back a bit of the sugar versus some traditional ones. Just It's more of a savory product as opposed to slightly sweet. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been popular, so it's been good. So you've mentioned uh, about the almonds. I mean, there's all sorts of ingredients that you can put into add to it. So, so what, are, what are the ones that you actually do? So we've got the almond croissant, which is our most popular, um, the chocolate croissants. We do a little cinnamon bun. It's like using the croissant dough with some cinnamon sugar, um, cinnamon butter. Um, we just recently, for Christmas, we're doing like a, a, a Christmas swirl. Um, we do a kind of chocolate custard called a pan Swiss, and we're doing a pan raisin, which is like a custard and sultanas. Um, and there'll be more to come. We want to work on that space now in the year. Now I'm looking at a, a tray of croissants here, we have a rack of them, so when you're actually producing them, how many can you do in, in a batch at a time? Um, so with each, each time we go through the cheater, we're doing about 15 at a time, um, but in any one night, we could be, we could probably do up to 200 a night. Right. That's like when it's, well, summer when it gets busy. Um, that's fresh dough, the, the almonds are twice baked, so we can also do another hundred say of those, whatever, they're, um, they're a product that's either captured something that's already big the night before or that night already. So. Now, if uh, somebody contacts you and you have a website, and um, can, can, how do they find out about what, what range do you actually offer at, at the moment? Um, so the range is, I suppose, because I generally go visit the business, it's just something I communicate directly with them. Um, the range, we haven't actually articulated our range very well online. We've kind of got just a holding page on the website. But it is something we have to develop. Um, we recently got listed by RT as one of the 55 beautiful bakeries in Ireland. And so we've noticed there's a few more people coming through looking to see where they can source our products. So it is something we probably have to look at as that end to like inspire into end consumers. And just it's about how we do that. So And that'll allow us to play a bit more um, with products. Now, you mentioned uh, being in the, the top 55 bakeries. That's a great bit of publicity. Also, recently, the uh, Donegal Enterprise Awards. You got an award there as well. Uh, more publicity. And, you know, you've only been going a short period of time, so this must be uh, very encouraging for you. Yeah, like, uh, it's, it's great. Um, you know, we've had a few little little bits in, in, the, in the news over the last few months, and it's nice to see somebody's noticing or recognizing something. Um, I suppose for us, the focus is on execution and good quality product and making sure our customers are happy. But these all help, like they all help build our brand, our name, and because, yeah, we're going 17 months now, and I'm sure the majority of people in the county probably wouldn't know, know us, or they may have had a product somewhere, but wouldn't know us. But that's kind of the nature of our business, the business business, that many people would taste it, but not know it's blistered bread. So, um, yeah, the, say the Enterprise Award was great. Um, you know, as a startup, it's it's well, they've been a great help to me, like the Leo office, from doing the startup course to mentoring to, to different things. So, um, we've it's yeah, they nice to be recognised for yeah. as as the startup business of the year. So. Now, a lot of small businesses fail in the first year, and it's a big thing, and it takes time. And I'm sure it wasn't all 100% plain sailing. You've had, I'm sure, little things to change and do along the way. You know, what would you say you've learned most in, in the 17 months or so that you've been going? Um, I suppose, for me, I think I'm, I'm quite a doer, and it means that you know, I can get stuck in the nitty-gritty rather than taking a long view. Um, 
and I think that's been the biggest thing is to be able to try and step back because you know you need to look ahead and see where you're going and and then you can cross-reference that with where you are then when you hit that point because um, we've been lucky that we're hitting a lot of the, the goals we've set for ourselves but I suppose I realise that now is the time I need to start reviewing what the next 18 months look like um, I have certain ideas but I really need to start putting some detail into it um, and would you set sort of targets for each month or each six months or things like that? Um, I would set monthly targets. Mm. Um, and I suppose then there's, that's kind of like on a, I suppose a sales or a numbers perspective, but then there's also like the, the targets in terms of growth and, you know, from a production perspective and for capacity and where we're going to grow or I suppose cash flow, where's that next investment coming from and what's it going to be, um, things like that. And you know you're a great example of somebody who is producing a product locally that previously people may have got it, but it could have been imported or from down the country. It means more money circulating uh, locally as well. So when you're looking ahead now, uh, how easy or difficult will it be um, if you have to increase the size of your premises or if you have to expand production? Um, how much have you sort of looked at that? Like, how far can you go? And, and I suppose small steps as well. Yeah, um, we are interested in, in growing. I think logistics is probably the key um, because there is a, a network of red spires here that would have available capacity for me to jump on board, but it's just certain parts of the county that can't currently reach. But currently, we're supplying it to Derry, Strabane, Donegal Town, Kellybegs. Um, so we're getting around, but what hinders us is probably that logistical arm, and it's a big investment to try and put our own van on the road. Um, but our goal is, I suppose, to increase our capacity here. So that we an extension or a new premises. We're just looking at that at the moment. Um, all going well. Like we'll see what twenty twenty four has to offer in terms of that. Well, sometimes you know people they might like to upscale and they might have a long term dream and maybe to be national or international. But then against that, you know, you have to weigh everything up and sometimes it's a case of refining what you have and doing what you have, doing it better and at the end of the day being comfortable with your own business and maybe not putting yourself under too much stress as well. Yeah, um, and so I was speaking to a neighbor recently and he said like the big fires will burn you and the little ones will keep you warm. So it's kind of like, um, you know, that is probably something that's playing on my mind at the minute is, you know, going over reach right now. Um, you know, it's really good. I think we've we've got we're, we have one lady who see who's working with us. Um, it's great to be able to employ others. Um, as you say, like money circulating locally, the drivers they're getting an extra piece, or our retailers are getting an extra piece, or our customers are great. They're coming and buying our product. Um, but I, I feel in order to make it a more sustainable business, we probably need to grow a little bit more. Um, and whether that's in the existing space and maybe just looking at how we function, um, that's something we need to look at. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to some small expansion, but it would not be looking too far. Yeah. And in terms of networking and, and talking with other small businesses and learning from other people and getting tips and advice and things, just how important is that for a, for somebody who's a, on a small scale? Yeah, that's huge. Um, especially, I've noticed in Donegal that you know there's a lot of businesses, particularly friends and, and things like that, or even just people network that networks there. Um, people are open; they want to have a chat. Um, I suppose it starts to lay you off. It starts with your own personal network, but you know people want to see you succeed. Um, and 
they will do what they can if they can like even just if it's advice which you can choose to take or leave but um, yeah no there's there's plenty of positive support out there which is good now when you started off coming back from Australia red tape and just getting the business off the ground was that worse or better than expected or I mean you knew there was going to be a, a fair degree of, of paperwork um, no it's been it's been great like we've got the HSE to work with the council to work with things like that but in general they're all I suppose and bread is, is a pretty safe product you don't speak that high temperatures everything else so things are, are good at that but no it's pretty it's been a pretty seamless process maybe we've had a bit of time we took a bit of time before we launched like we took about five six months just putting our plan and doing different things and before we actually did launch just to make sure everything was, was right so um, no it's been good and if we look now around at what you have here and Electricity is no doubt a, a one of your biggest costs, and with the increase there last year in particular, um, you know that was something that a lot of people didn't see. So, was that difficult for you? Because you know, like everybody else, you don't want to pass it all on to the end consumer. So, did you have to absorb a little bit of that hike? Yeah. So that we launched one in, in August '22. So we um, we. We maintained our pricing for that first 12 months. That was a commitment we had made from the start. So everything was absorbed at that stage, be it flour, sugar, lots of the butter, all of it went up. Um, but then again, I suppose we're fortunate we're production focused as opposed to like we don't have a shop front, which means you know additional staff. We've kept it, we've kept everything pretty pretty tight in terms of you know managing everything. Um, we bake at night, which means we benefit from lower rates as well. Um, you know, so it's 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 been hard enough to absorb it, but at the same time, we were happy to work with customers rather than be chopping and changing prices. It just might communicate the wrong message to them. So. And for people who are going into local cafes and maybe having one of your products, a lot of them won't actually realise where it's actually come from. But do some of the uh, outlets do they actually tell their customers that this is blistered bread and? Yeah, so uh, if you go to Rulab, they'll have blistered bread sort of on the on the menu. Um, it depends. I think some people will. But I suppose it depends on the nature of their business. If it's yeah. grab and go, they don't have a space to, yeah. to promote that. But um, but yeah, you do notice some people want to promote the the idea of supporting local. You know, yeah. I think it's something the Leo officer working on with the Donegal Food Coast and stuff is getting more people to support from local suppliers and, and I think it, it makes sense the yeah. end consumer does want to buy local um, so yeah it's and if you were chatting to anybody who was thinking of maybe starting up their own business um, would you have any particular advice to them uh, um, I suppose there'll be doubts at times I'm sure there'll be hard times and if they believe in themselves um so we probably just have to set those targets and, and boundaries and, and you know if things are going well great if things aren't maybe you got to cut and run but um, I just speak to the, speak to the people around you um, and of course the businesses like if anybody does want to chat you know get in touch um, yeah there's there's a there's a group of people or there's a lot of people out there wanting to support to see business succeed so yeah thanks. in terms of the seasonality of the business 
Um, is there a big difference for you between summer and winter and, and what you're putting out there? Yeah, so well, this is our first, first full 12 months now, coming out close. Um, and yeah, it's noticeable that change from spikes about Easter and then it's, it's a bit of a lull, but come July, August are big. Like, wouldn't be quite double production, but um, it'd be interesting to see what next year brings because, you know, given that we were really busy last August, but of course we continue to try and grow over the months. Um, things get quiet now, or a little bit quieter for us. Um, January, February, expect to be quiet. But at the same time, there's a lot of customers that weren't part of our portfolio last summer that are now hopefully going to be with us. So, yeah, we're expecting this summer to be quite busy. And if it's a good summer for Donegal tourism, that'll actually impact on you, because I'm sure a lot of the places where we can buy your Piazzardo or the Crossans are going to be in little coffee shops, and, and many of them would be maybe sort of more geared towards tourists and artisan and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like some some of our customers don't even close now for for the winter months and stuff. So so when they reopen again, yeah, it's a big it's a big positive. Like it's great to see the the focus coming back to Donegal in terms of tourism. Um, I think that all that lifts everything. Like the food scene is just dramatically improved over here in the last ten years. I think, um, and you see just the tourists and, and people are. I suppose not demand that, but it definitely helps keep people coming back. And it keeps, keeps more money in the, in the local economy. So. And you can really see it that, you know, there is this pride in local produce now and you go into restaurants and more and more of them are saying, you know, this is locally sourced and they're naming where they've got it and from what farm. So, you know, things have they've almost gone full circle from years ago. You know, Granny was making the soup and it was all local. Then everything ended up coming through the supermarket. And now we're going back to the, the whole local thing again. So for somebody like yourself, you, you're in a good sector. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's probably a, a good time to be in the industry, certainly in the Northwest. Um, yeah, because that trend is strong. Um, I think it's more sustainable. You know, if food has less, less miles to travel, it's, it's only better for everybody. Um, and there's a story there, like a, a firm believer, like say, the flavour is going to come from the soil, so essentially if we can eat more Irish, more whatever, and if, if, if the farmers have got regenerative practices now, it's healthier, it'll be healthier for us and more flavoursome for us as well. So. I'm just looking here on the, the side of this uh, refrigerated unit, is it? There, there's, yeah. a, there's a plan written up, um, a little bit double Dutch to me, but uh, I can make out a few things about the, the, pan, the almonds and... Uh, is it a pan of chocolate or something like that? But, uh, you know, your, your production for different days of the week, you're, you're doing different things. So that's, there's a lot of organization there. Yeah, our high-tech, our high-tech grid. Um, yeah, no, every day it brings little differences, little challenges. But, um, yeah, it's just something visual that we want to have in front of us for different moments throughout the night. It's and the orders that you're getting in from the people who you supply, do they generally give you, a, is it a, a weekly, a daily, how far in advance are they sort of changing their orders? So we ask for two days notice on everything. Um, that means that we have pretty much zero waste. Like we do not dump any bread or pastries. Um, we can make to order, which is great. Um, we have most people on a standard order, like a regular order. Like and the brew labs and, and the blooms and different cafes around, they'll get the same thing pretty much every day with a small tweak, which is great for me in terms of being able to manage that flow with powders and with ingredients and with everything. So. Yeah. And we touched on before about the, the inputs going up last year and the electricity and 
certainly the price of food, everybody's noticed it. So for you, when you're looking ahead, you know, inflation thankfully is coming down and that's important because it helps you to be able to project in terms of your own figures better. Yeah. Um, yeah, things seem to be stabilizing, which is good. Um, I'm not sure if there's a strong outlook like from consumer spend and, and that seems to be a bit confidence low, but um, we'll see. I think people still enjoy that coffee and that community aspect that coffee brings to people, um, and that's where I suppose a lot of our spend is, a lot of our, our customer bases. So we're hopeful that, that that'll stay stable or, or grow, even if it's just a small bit in 2024. So. And back to being in the right sector, when you left Ireland to go to Australia, uh, coffee shops were not everywhere the way they are now. I mean, there's been a, a huge increase, and we, we have that sort of more European uh, meeting for a, a cup of culture now that definitely wasn't there 10, 15 years ago. No, certainly not. Um, you know, even, even if I look back myself, like I've changed my own uh, ways, like Melbourne's very big coffee, coffee city. Um, from your work you need to get a bit of time out and, and get that life balance there so what, what what do you do to get away from it all and, and clear the head and relax uh, well I don't know if there's balance yet but um, yeah like I love to run and I love to surf so if I especially surfing if I get in to see it, it really does just help clear, clear everything up so no it's and finally, just wrapping things up, you know, Donegal as a place to do business for somebody who's starting up on their own. It's not easy, but there are supports there. Um, the government try and say that, you know, this is a good country to, to do business, that there's not too much red tape and there is assistance. I mean, what's your take on, on all that? Um, yeah, I think, I suppose it's, when I did the, the startup course, it says, um, is there a gap in the market and then there's a market and a gap and it's like you know from our, if, they, if you notice there is a gap and you think there's a big enough market in it yeah this, this is a great place you know it's if, if there's an opportunity there um, there's definitely supports available um, be it the Leo or you know, the ELDC um, and then business owners are you know, happy to have a chat happy to provide wisdom and help them. yeah no it's good so, looking ahead, you're, you're fairly upbeat about the, the future? Yeah, I think we've had a good year. Very great ways to be good to us. Um, and, yeah, we, we hope we can, we can grow and, and continue. Great. Adrian Boyle, many thanks for joining us on Business Matters this week, and we wish you the very best in the future. Thank you, Chris. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. This is the last episode of the year, so I would just like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has contributed to the program over the past 12 months. A big thanks also to Canis Wilson in production, and I would also like to wish all our listeners a happy, prosperous, and peaceful new year, and may 2024 be a great year 
for you. And finally, if you want to contact me, Chris Ashmore, you can email me at businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with Atlantic Technological University, Donegal. Study for a Doctorate of Business Administration and obtain the highest level management qualification available. Visit atu.ie forward slash DBA.